welcome to the Cutaways Podcast. I'm Justine. And I'm Ashley. Every week on our show, we turn on Netflix to watch a romantic comedy. And we're also watching them in the chronological order they appear on Netflix. And it's really giving us a sense of time and, you know, development of this genre. And it's pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, we started out in, like, the 1800s. 1918. The 1918, the 1918-1800s. And it was very kind of depressing. Yeah. <laughs> As we started, like, the first 20 years of romantic comedy history is slightly depressing. And then we got to Cary Grant. Oh, and we, yes. like, are totally cool with life right now. But yeah. So, what are we watching today? What are we watching today? Oh, look, I'm doing it this week. We're watching 1957's Kiss Them For Me. Kiss uh, Them For Me! Kiss Them For Me! Kiss Them! Yay! Uh, it is an hour and 42 minutes on Netflix. The description sounds a lot like On the Town, mm-hmm. which is interesting because it is also directed by Stanley Doran, who mm-hmm. did On the Town. Mm-hmm. So the description goes like this. Three naval officers finagle their way into shore leave in San Francisco after a tour of duty, and one of them falls for a tycoon's pretty fiancé. Yeah, this, you know, they're like, hey, you remember you made this one movie? You know, it was really successful. Let's try to capitalize on that success. Yeah, (laughs) let's do it again. Let's do it again. You know... Because of Three Coins in the Fountain, I'm not looking forward to this. But it's got Cary Grant in it. Yes, Cary Grant does solve, like, (laughs) all of our problems. He typically does. Like, even if the movie is just kind of meh, he just kind of sells it. Mm -hmm. To the point where we're like, ah, okay, whatever. We'll go with you, Cary Grant. I'm sorry, my dog is (laughs) here with us today. We've got a puppy in the podcast. Yeah. And he just wants to be petted and loved. Um, so, yeah, aside from Cary Grant starring in it, it stars Jane Mansfield and Leif Erikson. Sounds like a Viking. He is a Viking. Like, in real life. I feel like he is. Yeah. How did the Viking get into this 50s movie? He traveled with the doctor. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. It totally happened. Yeah. Surprisingly, it is only rated three stars on Netflix. Yeah, it's three stars, no awards. Mm-mm. So basically, we're chalking this up to it's probably a remake of On the Town. Do you think it's a musical? No. Yeah, I don't think so either. Okay, you ready to go watch it? Yeah. Oh, wait, it was my mom's birthday. Happy birthday, Mom. Oh, happy birthday, Justine's mom. Yay, birthdays. Of someone who has actually listened to our show at one point. <laughs> at one point. Like, we, she may or may not be listening now. <laughs> Alright, bye. Bye. <laughs> okay, we just watched Kiss Them For Me from Fox to us. Via yeah. Netflix. <laughs> Thank you, Netflix. But really, you need to get a better transfer because I'm really tired of this pan and scan on a CinemaScope. Because CinemaScope is so, it's it's nice, it's, you don't see it, like, that way, the way that it was used in the beginning, like you do, it's different, it's used differently today. So I want to see that nice, like, open, prettiness. You write to Fox, you tell them. I know someone at Fox. Oh, there you go. Okay, that's what I'm going to do. Be like, 
can we have a better transfer of this Cary Grant movie that we didn't like? Yeah. <laughs> okay. I like Cary Grant. We all, we always like Cary Grant. Yeah, if this didn't have Cary Grant, I feel I would have been angry. I would have been asleep. Yeah, this is 100% a movie with no plot. No plot and no nothing. Like, there was no substance. No. I I do like, there were some touches, I mean, to have it speak about PTSD, like yeah. that sort of thing. That was really cool to see. Well, especially for a movie from, you know, the time period where you still kind of see this, they're still seeing this push for, like, the glorification of the war and how, like, it didn't, how mm-hmm. they were true heroes and they're still strong and, and all that stuff. But we know from his- history that that isn't the case, that these people did not come back in the same mindset that they, that they left. Yeah. I mean, with Vietnam right around the corner. I feel like Vietnam was happening, but America wasn't involved yet. The Vietnam War. Yeah, I feel like it wasn't in anyone's... It might have been in the government's mind. Mm -hmm. And they were kind of monitoring the situation, but not in the people. Yeah, this is still happy-go-lucky late 50s. Yeah, yeah, for sure. The touches of, like, anti-war profiteering were interesting. Yeah. I wish that they had kind of made it a little bit more clear-cut. Yeah, if there had been a plot attached to these themes, that would have made a good movie. Yeah, and it would have been an interesting movie based on where they were, you know, trying to go. Yeah. um, With it. I think it would have been very interesting, especially because you saw the bond between these three guys. Like, you definitely, at least in certain aspects, in certain scenes, you felt for these guys. Especially, like, when they were touching on the PTSD and how they, like, instantly were, like, a, a group mm-hmm. trying to, to help Cary Grant's character work through this episode, um, which was nice. Because they were, it's like, they understood where he was coming from, so they instantly were bonded within that mm-hmm. kind of emotional mindset. So they pushed to help him through it. They were brothers. They are brothers. They are Band of Brothers. Mm-hmm. Band of Brothers this Monday on HBO. Showtime. <laughs> no, it's HBO. Ah! <laughs> I don't know. I didn't watch it. Wrong war? No, same war. Ah! I didn't watch it. <laughs> <laughs> Everything's about World War Two. Yeah, World War One is so boring, huh? Downton Abbey didn't make it boring. Oh. But I, I think World War One in Europe was different than the war in America. Mm-hmm. World War Two was personal to us because they bombed us. Yes. Whereas World War One doesn't have... We sent people, but mm-hmm. it wasn't as... It wasn't on our shores. Yeah, it wasn't on our shores, and it wasn't necessarily as devastating, I think, emotionally, as World War Two was. Yeah, with all the advancements in the technology yeah. and stuff. And how people were, you know, starting to see the war. I think that you know, the nightly updates on the radio and Roosevelt, you know, having the fireside chats and all that stuff. There was a lot more communication on what was going on. Where in Europe, it was directly happening during World War One in Europe. Same with World War Two. You know, John Lennon was born in 1940 during an air raid. Was he really? Mm-hmm. I did not know that. I know a lot of things. How, was he, like, in an underground hospital? I have no idea. <laughs> 
does your dad know? Can we, like, get that information? Get him on the phone? Yeah. Can we, like, have a call-in section <laughs> of the podcast? <laughs> yeah. I called, it was so funny, I called him on Friday because Matt and I at work were talking about The Last Waltz, and we were discussing, how, he wanted to know, well, we both were curious how long it took him to film it because it had so many cameras, it looked like it would have taken a long time, and just my dad instantly knew, like, how long it took to film, like, the trick about rolling different cameras at different times so the film doesn't run out like he's got knowledge he is full of much knowledge if you're on like who wants to be a millionaire call up my dad (laughs) uh yeah can i get uh justine's dad on the phone what's what's justine's dad's name like how how do we contact him you just know you know (laughs) everybody knows my dad you just call out into the void and he's there is that what happened Yeah. Okay. How did the movie start, Justine? The movie started with credits and a song, Kiss Them For Me, with photos. It looked like actual photos of people going off to war. Yeah. Which were, they were really cute. I mean, it's a little, the look of it's a little dated, but I really liked it. It pulled on your heartstrings and Mm -hmm. some, like, some of the little kids. Yeah. and, And who were you know, of the age of understanding what that meant. Mm-hmm. That was, like, ugh. And not knowing if, like, that's what I find interesting about, like, a photograph from that time period because you don't know the story of what happened afterwards. Like, are they coming back? Are they, like, what happened? Yeah. This whole movie takes place in 1944. Yes. 19, this is a 1957 movie mm-hmm. taking place in 1944. So it's still, like... There's still that whole, like, decade yeah. of us still dealing with World War II. Yeah, it's still a thing to make movies about. Yeah, it's still something that, I guess, people are wanting to see. I think even today, though. Mm-hmm. Like, there's still so many World War II movies. And it's interesting, like, what what fascinates us about it so much. Yeah. Although, it did cause them... Like, you see, like, 1950s cars and 1950s clothing. Yeah, they didn't know how to to shut down or redress a street like they do today. Yeah, well, it was probably mucho harder, you know, for them. Well, in San Francisco, especially. Yeah. Oh, yeah, and this was our first San Francisco movie. So It, it our... didn't look anything like San Francisco looks today. No. I was like, wow. I mean, the streets and the hills, but none of the buildings. <laughs> yeah, very, very different. You could definitely see Alcatraz from mm-hmm. their, their room. Though, yeah. In the, through their window. Yeah, they had a good hotel there. Um, so we start out at, in Honolulu. Was Honolulu a state at this point? No, 1959. Okay. I didn't know that. Why did it take so long for Hawaii to come, become a state? read this wikipedia article (laughs) so they're in hawaii because they keep saying back to the states but i mean like in when you're in hawaii you you refer to it as the states too right yeah but because i don't know it piqued my interest of going are they (laughs) Uh, well i'm assuming they're on the base yeah they're Mm -hmm. in honolulu and on our american base we have probably you know at this point being like this is ours we're just gonna sit here yeah. Polynesian Islands. <laughs> like, just, just crying. This <laughs> is America mine. <laughs> They're one of the, yes. the little... <laughs> She's petting Hawaii, ladies and gentlemen. I want your pineapples. <laughs> and your dance. 
dead so i oh those poor polynesian people because <laughs> to this day we are terrible to them in movies and probably in real life too we're sorry hawaii oh i love you i love lilo and stitch i think lilo and stitch is a proper representation and the new pixar movie that is supposed to be about hawaiian yeah i like lilo and stitch because she takes pictures of white people yeah and are like what are these strange creatures well because she's used to people being like oh native girl click probably yeah (laughs) that was i read that somewhere of like she's so used she is just like the the polynesian object to the Taurus, yeah know? so her revenge is to take pictures of them and examine them i really like the one that she takes of the big fat white guy and then his ice cream falls off yeah and then he's like totally sad and she just runs away that's like my favorite bit anyway i don't know how we're gonna talk about this movie it's so dumb so basically um in hawaii I only took notes during the beginning, really, because I thought this was all going to be set up for plot, but... <laughs> we kept on going, when, when's the plot coming? <laughs> yeah, I thought this was going to be, like, some form of a flashback. See, I even wrote back, wrote, flashback to Honolulu, 1944. So I, I thought they were going to be, like, coming back. You know, I thought it would have been nice if they ended back in 1957 and have them, like come together or have them with kids or something at the end where we see him now and he's just like all like really struggling or something i don't know that's not a happy ending but no even this wasn't a happy ending okay so (laughs) basically we're gonna go through this this the story points very quickly because there aren't very many of them well i wrote down a lot but i don't know if i'll be able to make sense of it well basically like the line of the story is they're in Honolulu, they get relieved from their admiral, who says if they can make it to the planet... Well, no. Okay, let's rewind a little bit. Yeah. There is that newsreel footage. We got these people talking. We don't know who they are, but they're talking about how these three guys have endured some recent injuries and whatnot. They're all in the hospital together. Yeah, they Like, Cary Grant has been found in a life raft. Yeah, he was lost at sea for a while. Because I guess his plane crashed. Yeah. McCain, McCann, it looks like McCain, I swear, I looked it up on the internet, crashed his plane on... On the deck On the landing strip. Yeah. But Um, he didn't get hurt. No, but he was trying to. Yeah. And then Missip... Missip. Is, um... I don't remember, they didn't, he was, like, at the very beginning, and I was still trying to figure out, like, where we were and what we were doing. Yeah. I just Um, remember he was hungover. Yeah, he was hung over at the the hospital. But he I, actually got hurt a lot. They said. Yeah, well, I think he was the one who was like, his plane went down and he still somehow survived. I thought that was the other guy. No, this was like at the very beginning where they showed the plane. Yeah, but I thought that was McCann. No, McCann was definitely the one who went was on the landing strip. Oh, there was another plane. Yeah. Okay. There were they were because they're definitely talking about. Um, oh, the plate, the midair crash where yeah. he jettisoned out. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That was Mississippi. That was Mississippi. And so they're all kind of suffering from, they were calling it malaria, but it was obviously PTSD. They got the shakes. Yeah, they got the shakes and the nightmares. Um, so Carrie meets these guys in the hospital and he's like, I just got us four days leave in San Francisco. Let's go. Yeah. If they could make it to the plane. 
uh, Chuck the pilot. They got they're driving along the airstrip and they're like, Chuck! Please stop!" And they get in, and then we learned how to use a ladder. Yeah, um, but I also I really I want to touch back on Chuck says that he won't grant a promise that he's made while sober, mm-hmm. but a promise while drunk is sacred. Yeah. And I really liked that. Also, I want to point out that uh, McCann is running for mayor of Massachusetts. Congressman. Congressman of Massachusetts. Yeah, in Hatford. Hatford's in Connecticut. <laughs> Hatford. He can get in touch with someone in Connecticut, but not Massachusetts. Oh, that's what it was. Well, you don't know where any of those places are. <laughs> it's okay. Most people don't. <laughs> <laughs> the United States is a very big place, and we Americans don't know where everything is. We like to pretend that we do. Because America. Mm-hmm. But we really don't. Yeah. It's okay. Us in New England are like, anything past New York doesn't count. Doesn't matter. You have a very tiny, like, view on life, then. Well... In that stance, it's like, all we need is where we are, and we only like what's around, and if New England could succeed from the rest of the country, it would. Oh, it's so just it's like, like our Quebec. Bye! Yeah. <laughs> okay, so New England is to Canada, or is to the United States as Quebec is to Canada. Yeah. Okay. It's like, I don't know about these guys, we're good, we're just... <laughs> I mean, we got good everything. <laughs> don't touch us. Yeah. Don't touch us. We, we we are we are an island of ourselves. Okay. We got New York kind of separating us from the rest of the country. Well, at least your whole family has a state. Yes. <laughs> I'm not going to not touch back on that because that was still... That's one of my favorite moments of our <laughs> podcast, okay? Where we determine that your entire family is from Rhode Island. <laughs> or is Rhode Island. Is Rhode Island. <laughs> I just... Every movie we watch now that has New England in it... <laughs> There's Justine's family. <laughs> There's my ancestors. It's not true, my ancestors at this point. No, not at this point. But mostly related to people in Canada. Oh, <laughs> Canada. I know the whole anthem. Somebody sang it on our on our show. They were Canadian. And I was like, oh, Canada. <laughs> in the back room. <laughs> <laughs> the motherland was calling home. Yes. <laughs> So they arrive in San Francisco, and they go into this hotel, and they're, they got this lieutenant guy setting things up for all of them. He wants the room to be free. I don't know. This guy, if, this, if these three guys were a band, this guy would be their manager. Yeah, I didn't understand this at all. Like, it was just a random character that we, re- like, we met briefly on the plane, because mm-hmm. it was Lieutenant Wallace. And I don't understand why he was, like, taking... Is if he... Wait, was he one of the guys in the room with the newsreel? Probably. I'm okay. gonna go with probably. <laughs> okay. Because, like, that would make sense. Like, if he was the one in the newsreel and then he, like, connects it to, like, trying to... He's like, let's things. pick these three guys. We're gonna go there and then they're gonna hook up with this tycoon and then we're gonna make money. Yeah. But that plan was never really established or talked about or anything it was just like bye let loose <laughs> let the wolves out with the pen yeah so then these women start showing up we got one who was not as attractive who was in the war herself that the guys ignored boo 
And then we got this buxom blonde show up, and they immediately attend to her, of course. Her name is Alice. Yes. I didn't know how to pronounce nor write down her last name. Yeah, it's like... Gervishmitschel? Cratchley? Cratchity? Cratch... something. <laughs> it began with Cratch, and then it kind of fell off into syllables after there. Yeah, <laughs> That was I was like, name. that's a name. <laughs> <Ugh>. <laughs> so yeah, then she shows up, and this is um, our Jane's Ma- our Jane Mansfield character. Who Jane Mansfield, if you didn't know very much about her, is actually a studio alternative to Marilyn Monroe. Not very time. good alternative. No, you could clearly tell that she was wearing a wig, mm-hmm. a blonde-haired wig, and she was trying way too hard to be Marilyn. Yeah. Yes. And you can't be... Marilyn is, like, innocent in her, like, breathy seductiveness. Yeah, that was just her. It's like, just natural. She, yeah. To try and be Marilyn... And I saw a lot of Marilyns yesterday. I was just in Hollywood. <laughs> I saw, like, six. <laughs> <laughs> That's a lot of Marilyns. And I saw... And I heard some of them talking, and I'm like, mm-mm, not even close. <laughs> do they at least, like, have her legs... They all do the white dress. That's all they oh. do. They all do the same clothes and then, like, a short bobby blonde wig. That's upsetting. Yeah, they cannot... And they're very thin, too. They're too thin. Yeah, Marilyn was not that thin. Mm-mm. Like, for the time period, she was... Compared to the women today, she mm-hmm. was definitely not... Would not be considered thin. She was hippie. Mm-hmm. And she had... She had gams. Mm-hmm. She had yeah. nice gams. So, Marilyn's on Hollywood... No bueno. But I'd say, like, this Alice would be a better Marilyn than they are. Yeah, she was close. She's, like, she's definitely trying too hard. I would have liked... She wasn't innocent. I think that's where, like, Mm -hmm. she wasn't able to bring the innocent quality of Marilyn. Like, Marilyn was able to, like, be this very doe-eyed seductress, but in a very innocent and believable way. And... I think when we watch Monkey Business, mm. when you compare how her and Cary Grant went back and forth with one another to how Cary Grant and Jane Mansfield go back and forth to each one another, I feel like Cary Grant had more control of the scenes with Jane Mansfield and Marilyn stole the scenes from him in Monkey Business. Oh, she's still alive. 62. Marilyn? Mm-hmm. Marilyn's not alive. No, 62. Oh, at this time period. Yeah. Oh, I th- thought you were talking about, like, right now. Like, no, she's not. She's not. Well, I know she died around this time. So, got yeah. a couple more years. Yeah. Well, her depression. Yeah. Suddenly got worse. Um, so, the women are showing up because Carrie has set up this little scam, setting out sort of, like, business cards that say that they've got nylons available. Now, if you know anything about the war, you know what a hot commodity nylons were. Yes. They were all, like... Cut a bitch for some nylons. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, and they would even, they would take the black, like, marker pencil mm-hmm. and go up their leg to just fake it mm-hmm. because they couldn't get it. Yeah. I remember that in history class and I'm like, why? Like, that's insane to me, like, to Well, because you weren't dressed if you weren't wearing nylons. Hey. Is it because they didn't shave their legs? Probably. Yeah. But that's probably around the corner too well we're we're getting to the 60s yeah this is where they start burning the nylons and the bras 
and the thing. And women get all hairy. Yeah. But then that stops too. Sad. <laughs> Come back, 60s. Actually, don't. I don't want to be like, I don't want the drugs. I think there's probably worse drugs now than there were in the 60s. Oh, yeah. More rampant drug use. Bath so. salts. Can we talk about bath salts? I feel like we have talked about bath salts on this podcast before. Yes, we have. Yeah, we talked about the guy who, like, mm. ate the guy's face off. No, 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 no. In uh, Adam and Evelyn. Oh, because <laughs> she uses the bath salts. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> ate the guy's face off. What are you talking about? <laughs> so in Florida, okay. So pausing the podcast right now. In Florida, like, three years ago, there was oh. this dude... Who got totally, like, fucked up on bath salts and ran around Florida, Miami, naked. Got this dude under a, like, under, like, a highway overhang. Overpass. Overpass. That's the word. And totally, like, beat the shit out of him and then ate his face off. Oh, Florida man. People thought that bath salts were, like, the cause of the zombie apocalypse and started... This is when the zombie apocalypse, like, revolution started taking place because people thought that bath salts were... Because he was literally out of his mind. He had, like, a fever of 110 because it, like, had caused his brain to swell so much that that his body was throwing his temperature up like crazy. So he wasn't able to think clearly, and he thought this dude was trying to attack him when it was just... He was trying to help him. Yeah. So, he ate his face off because he was trying to cool down. Oh. Yeah. The cops had fun. Oh. That's all I know. Back to the story. What story? So, a huge host of people show up. A huge party in this hotel. And they lock the... The, the manager, the in, manager the in the closet. And then... Gwyneth shows up. And... Oh, did we already meet Turnbill? No. Not yet. He's on a phone call with people. Gwyneth shows up and her and Carrie share a lovely taste of music. They like trumpet players and yeah. music like that. They they can identify, they like music. It's a good thing to like music with somebody, right? Yeah, no, it is. You you want somebody who has a similar taste in music because you but know. She's is. engaged to Turnbill, who's the, the tycoon that the guys are supposed to be meeting with. Yeah, he runs a, a steel mill some sort of factory something yeah it was a metal working factory and he wants the guys to go around and give these speeches and kind of be this like publicity thing and obviously as we've established the guys have suffered from ptsd so they don't want to talk about it they they want to like they want to drink and chase girls yeah they want to just chill Netflix want, and chill. They want a Netflix and chill. <laughs> well, with a jukebox and a radio. <laughs> they want a Netflix and chill 1950, or 1944 style, okay? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which is jukebox, trumpets, and stingers. Oh, yeah. Vodka stingers? It was any kind of stinger. He didn't care what kind of stinger. Or is, is a stinger just strictly vodka? I don't know. I only know it from... A song. A, a, a Broadway song. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I did want to bring up that this is based off of a Broadway play. Oh. It's based off a play, which is based off a book. Yes. A novella <laughs> of a guy who was in the Navy, and this was his experience, and he was also slightly anti-war. 
Nice. He didn't want anybody to profiteer from war veterans' experiences. Which is interesting because that profiteering off of war veterans has slowly and steadily gotten worse in the United States. Why do you say that? So, with how bad Vietnam was, I think most people feel slightly guilty about how we treated the veterans back then. Mm -hmm. But we use them, especially politicians, use them as a pawn to try and gain, like, sympathy and votes. And, And the military even uses them as some type of... Sometimes, like, some type of propaganda to try and, like, pull people in. Like, see, these people are still heroes. Or, look, you can still be okay after suffering through these great, you know, ordeals or whatever. And I feel like if we really, truly cared about veterans and their experiences, we wouldn't have this huge stigma on mental health. We wouldn't, we would have more resources and research directed towards PTSD and how to help people go through it. Um, because there isn't very much except to actually have these people face those fears again mm-hmm. and set up, like, little recreations of these horrible events that has triggered this. And I don't think that that necessarily helps. It may help in the short term, but it does not help in the long term um, from the studies that I have read. There's also... Homelessness and job integration? Ho- horrible, like, homelessness. It's almost like people who do the, like, people who come back from war and have to go through these job interviews, it's almost like the job interviews want to know more about their experience than they want to, like, help them. Like, I've, I've read a lot of things about how veterans, when they go through the interview process and people find out that they went through war, sometimes they start asking questions that they should not be asking. And if we're truly wanting to help these people, then there should be, the VA should be way better than what it is. Apparently, they are still using mostly paper documents Mm -hmm. instead of computerized. They don't actually have enough doctors on staff to actually see most vets. And what's interesting is that they don't do, like, what hospital clinics do, where they always have a doctor on rotation that's from the hospital. It's interesting that the VA hasn't set up something like that with local hospitals. Because I feel like if anyone... I feel like majority, like, I feel like doctors would gain more, like, we would be able to do these studies on PTSD, we would be able to, to have more stability for our vets. I just, I don't understand why that hasn't been an idea or why benefits, I, I don't, I don't understand the talk of half of this stuff. Like, if they, they want to actually help, then help. Like, don't just say it to gain these points when it's election time, like, actually do it. Yeah. That irritates me. I don't know. And there's been a lot of talk about it lately because of the whole refugee thing. And, again, we're, we're using it as a pawn to go against something else rather than doing anything about it. And so you can, you can post a picture on Facebook all you want. You can, you know, you can, like, have these uplifting videos of going and giving $100 to a homeless vet or whatever. But that isn't necessarily going to actually help. That just perpetuates this, oh, this instant feel-good moment, like we've done something good in the world, when you haven't. Mm-hmm. You've you've used that sensationalized sen- sensitive sensitivity to kind of gain gain a selfish reason rather than a humanitarian reason of going through and how I don't know. There's a lot of things, especially 
the last few days on Facebook that just need to, to not be there, that need to not, to not be a question in the world. Mm-hmm. And I think, like, even when, I don't know how much even anybody really heard about it, but when Jon Stewart went to um, Capitol Hill, where they were doing the vote about extending the benefits for 9-11, for first responders, because they haven't, there's no money, there's no nothing that's, like, generated to help these people deal with these illnesses that were caused from being a first responder and trying to, to dig through all this stuff. And yet politicians today for this election are still using it as 9-11 as a way to say, hey, you should vote for me because I was there. I was, you know, first one. I was there helping everybody rebuild and, and helping, like, holding hands and stuff. And it's like, no. These were the people who were helping. These were the people who were digging through the dirt and digging out dead bodies and gaining these horrible diseases. And now they're dealing with the sacrifices 10 years later. And you voted to not pass this bill of helping um, people, giving benefits to these people who no longer have it and have to be on Social Security and stuff because they can't work. Mm -hmm. And, like, a lot of people didn't, didn't push for that. So it's like we, we have this whole sensationalized idea of what veterans and what first responders should be, but yet we don't want to help them when they ask, when they need it. It's like they're the ones who are first first in and last out to help us, but why aren't we pushing to help and support them? And I think that's what this movie was trying to question. Yeah. No, yeah, like I said, this would have been, this could have been so much more if it had tied themes to a good plot (laughs) yeah yeah i think it could have i feel like this has been a movie that has been made like in a different way with a different cast and a different director and a completely different story that didn't have anything to do with romance i feel like there have been movies about the the true effects of war and what actually like comes out of it and i just it's interesting because this is the 50s and this is like the first inkling of why are we still, why are we sensationalizing what we actually, what these soldiers had to go through? Mm-hmm. So that's, that's the, that's what I was just trying to figure out. I was trying to figure out where they were going to go with it because, I mean, eventually they did get to the point where I figured it was going to go. I figured they were going to go back because that's where, that's the interesting thing about PTSD and the, the results of war is that if you're able-bodied and you're just a little still, you're in that mindset of that's the only world that you can exist in mm-hmm. because you can't get out. You can't escape from that PTSD. So the PTSD keeps you in that world and it like holds you there um, because it, it it has those flashback moments where you you're taken back to that to that situation in that location, which is why I don't think the whole recreation thing really helps because you're just you're just doing what the PTSD already does so now I'm not a doctor but I just that's my my whole thing I've read a lot about it because um my my great aunt is somebody who does uh, raises puppies there it's through canines for independence and they actually do give dogs to service members who suffer from PTSD so I think um like that is a better course of treatment than trying to put somebody back in that situation. I think it's more about trying to 
bring them back to this world and connecting them emotionally here instead of emotionally there. So, and that's where I think the movie kind of touched on it because in the end, they do go back. Yeah. And that's something that that constantly happens with people, with veterans who have PTSD because that ends up being the only thing that they know. And I think that probably happened a lot, and especially in World War II with how, how many people eventually lost friends that they knew and, you know, felt mm-hmm. guilty and needed to go. And Vietnam. Vietnam is probably the biggest one with PTSD because it was far more terrifying than I think most of it because it was a completely different... It's not like Europe. Europe has... I For some reason, I feel like it was a completely different war. Be- well, because you could sit with, like, the allies and then drop planes on the... En- drop bombs on the enemy whereas like you're in vietnam amongst the enemy and so they were just terrified the whole time yeah well and the enemy was so good at because they knew the terrain the enemy (laughs) okay the 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 enemy in like the enemy of that time i mean they utilized everything to their advantage it was almost like how the americans won the revolutionary war Whereas they they really pushed on guerrilla warfare. They were really secretive about everything. They were mostly underground half mm-hmm. the time. And for for America, we knew that. And we, the soldiers knew that. And that was not a good thing for them to be surrounded by. Because you never knew. Mm-hmm. And the jungle is a completely different area because we don't have anything like that in America. So... You could come from Texas or Maine or, you know, Washington or anything like that, and you would not understand, even if you had, like, a really good hunting background because you were in the woods in Washington or anything like that, it wouldn't help you there. Whereas in Europe, it's very similar. Mm -hmm. There's this very similar terrain. There's a very, like, similar understanding of how the war was going to work. And so the terror is different. And so, yeah, you see more PTSD coming from the Vietnam era, especially with all the drugs. Like, LSD probably did not help that whole situation. But anyway, we're on a tangent because... So we got a movie. We have a movie that had a really awesome basic theme. Mm -hmm. Like, I think the basic theme was there. And I don't know, because there's not a lot of research that we could do on the internet, most of the time the script was set. Um, and our director had no control over the script and no control over the casting. It was, here you go, here's your cast, here's your script, here's your movie, go. And so I don't know if that made have, might have been something that he kind of peppered in a little bit more, because I know the play has it, mm-hmm. and I know the play touches on it, I think, more than the movie did. But like I said, there's not a lot of research. Anyway, I'm on a tangent. We were just with, um, Turnbill showing up to the party. Yes. He wants, um, Cary Grant, whose name is Crewson, to speak at his factories and whatnot. And Crewson's just like, I just want to drink and chase girls. Yeah. He's Cary Grant, and he's awesome. I don't know, they have a disagreement. Cary clears out the party, and then he comes down with malaria. Yes. This is like this is the touch on PTSD where he's having shakes and he couldn't 
he couldn't like control his anger. He was he was very angry mm-hmm. when he went into the little episodes like these, which is true. They've been at this time ordered to the hospital. They are somebody comes with an order and being like, "Well, this is not really your leave because you didn't get official paperwork before. You just kind of ran off, but now you're ordered." for the next two days to go to the Alameda hospital and then you can go back. And they're like, but we want to party. <laughs> yeah. That's um, like the main theme. But then Gwen is awesome and she calls Turnbill and he's and she was like, oh, sorry that um, Kirsten was angry. He's, he's really regretful now. And, you know, he said that they'll talk. You know, you just have to get them out of this hospital thing. You know, just call up the guy and it'll be all taken care of. And uh, Mississippi had a good line of, I've had enough of hospitals and I've had enough of this crummy war. Yeah. And I think um, McCann, like, kind of did a parallel of that, like, sentiment. Like, he's like, I know, dude, I've, I've like, had enough, too. I'm ready to be a, uh, I want to be a congressman. I want to do this and that and mm-hmm. the other thing but yeah Crusen's been in it for three years mississippi was two mm-hmm. and the other guy was 20 months yeah and that's a long time yeah um so they all get in a taxi except for um carrie and gwen so they hop in a streetcar and he just wants to smooch on her and she's like i'm engaged i don't want to kiss you i do want to kiss you but no <laughs> Yeah, and they're on their way to the Go workers. see some trumpet. No, no, no. They're on their way to go see the workers at this point. He decides to skip out on it. Yeah. And they go to see the trumpet players. Yes. And they're dancing at this place, and he bumps into, like, some reporter guys, and, like, he gives them, like, some crappy, not crappy, but he gives them, like, book quotes. Like, he gives them the same old spiel. Yeah. When people are like, tell us about the war. Like, they have, like, a spiel, like, locked down. Like, I was doing this and this, and then the ba-boom! <laughs> yeah. It's like, they don't want to talk about it. Well, and this is a time where, you know, the pre- like news had started to get... News started to spread way faster, so everybody was, like, really interested in understanding what the soldiers were going through and understanding what was going on in the war. But nobody was really kind of taking into the account that you know, this stuff was really horrible to, to talk about. Like, why would somebody want to relive that and talk to a newspaper about it? Mm-hmm. So, and the, that that was one of the things... That was another theme, really, when I think about it, is, like, trying to bypass the press. Because the press was there at the beginning in Honolulu, and then it was there again later on down to the line. Yeah. There was a... At the party, he does tell a story to somebody um, about this kid who hung out with them... Yeah. At the camp who got blown up. He's like, yeah, we're looking for his bits everywhere and we just couldn't find his head. Yeah. That's the war. (laughs) Yeah, and they were shocked. Like, they were like, we can't print that. And he's like, well, that's what it is. Yep. And, yeah, it's really, it was an honest way of showing, like, how the press was trying to make it seem like everything was hunky-dory and it really wasn't. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, there was the big war effort and the draft and, like, the, the big propaganda, like, la-la-la-la-la. Yeah, like, We're Uncle Sam to... and, yes. and, uh, what's her name? Rosie the Riveter. Rosie the Riveter and, and all of that. So, then there's, like, this bad singer and, like, some 
people start fighting with each other. So Carrie and Gwen leave, and they're, like, in an alley somewhere, and then they smooch. And then the Shore Patrol comes. Uh, well, no, then they head to a piano bar. The piano bar was where the bad guy was at then. Which I don't guy? remember them going to a different bar. Yeah, they went to two bars. Well, the, there was a bad, the bad singer. Nope, that was at the trumpet. But then he ends up being where the Shore Patrol are. He's, like, chased him down or whatever. Yeah, that happens there, so they leave. Oh, okay. That happens there, so they leave, and then they go to a piano bar, and she's they ask, she's asking who keeps calling him, and he tells her about his ex-wife who's trying to get in touch with him, and then he runs into some old buddies, uh, Gunner, who's, who's at the Alameda Hospital, has come out for the night, and he brought along with him another guy who's in a wheelchair, who they know previously... And he tells a really depressing story. Yeah, this is where it got, like, really... It got super sad. sad. It got real. When, like, the guy has... The other guy take Gunner, and Carrie's like, so how bad is he? And Gunner's like, oh, his insides are all messed up. They're operating on him a lot. He's not going to make it through the month. Yeah. (laughs) They're just like, uh... (laughs) Why? And then so Carrie Grant starts, like, crying. <laughs> yeah. Like, why? Yeah, there was that really, like, interesting close-up of him, and he's, like, halfway to tears, and that's when, uh, what, Turnbill shows up. Yep. And, um, Turnbill is pissed because there were 2,000 workers that were waiting to have, to hear Carrie Grant speak, and he's like, you know, dude, like, please, I can't talk about this right now. He's, like, he's having another one of his episodes. And Turnbill, like, with the lack of understanding that he has, is pushing him and is just like, you know, this, you agreed to this, I, I let you do that. And so eventually he pushes Cary Grant to the point where he punches him in the face. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so then he leaves and then um, Gwen comes out and she said that she threw, she tossed her engagement ring and then... Which he, we didn't, did we get to see that? I don't think so there was a little bit of commotion going on at that time yeah i just like i remember it got brought up in the dialogue and i yeah. was just like okay cool what is that like you've known this dude for like an hour and like some change what is happening yeah so they smooch a little bit and he wants to go to her apartment actually to make babies which they we don't see but they do. They do. We instead go into the original um, hotel room where Alice and McCain are hanging out, and I don't know what. Well, he's on the phone with his wife. Yeah, he's still doing his campaign business. I don't. I don't know. This is the point where I got lost. Honestly, the way that I thought it was going to be structured is that Turnbill was going to be like the main enemy, and he was going to be fighting. This was going to be like the love triangle situation, and. Uh, Cruson and Turnbill were going to be fighting for the affections of uh, mm-hmm. Gwen, mm-hmm. but then that really didn't like happen because Gwen just like instantly fell in love with Cary Grant. Like, I mean, I I understand it is Cary Grant. Like, who can't not? Mm-hmm. But um, I mean, he did have four wives, so there is that. Um, <laughs> he was a very attractive man. Which did you know that he was fifty three in this? Mm-hmm. Could you tell from his performance that no. he was fifty three? No. I'd say late 30s. Yeah. Yeah. 40s. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, he was very afraid 
of this role. He was like, I am too old for this. He kept saying that a lot for things. Yeah. Which, He's a guy who's very aware of his age, unlike actors these days. <laughs> I think some are. I think mm-hmm. some still have that quality. But, yeah, it was very interesting to see that, you know, they kept on wanting him to do these things um, as, you know, actors became younger and younger and younger. And he was just like, I don't think it would be believable. Like, he was very in inundated in, like, the whole I want to be a believable character kind of thing, which was cool. Because you, you don't always see that from actors where they're like oh I want to play this role Mm -hmm. you may not be right for this role but I want it so yeah it was interesting to read that that was an interesting tidbit Mm -hmm. but uh yeah so anyway him and Gwen have more smoochies at the apartment right yeah um and Mississippi is still hanging out with this girl from the party who won't let go of him which I still don't understand Mm. like there was a bit that they did during the the first party where she wouldn't let go of him and he kept trying. But then there was, like, a whole middle bit where she was not even there. So why did he go back to holding this woman's hand and letting her control his, like, every movement? I don't know. I didn't... Yeah. Anyway, they come back to the hotel. The Shore Patrol comes to get them to take them to the hospital and they go this time... Because they have to. Yeah. So they're at the hospital, and Gunner joins them, and then Mac gets telegram that he gets Congress. Yeah, he is now a congressman of Massachusetts. Which makes him a civilian. Yes. He is effectively now a civilian, while the other two are not. like, uh, 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 uh. No, they were very happy for him. Yeah. Well, that's what he gets to do to all the other suits. (laughs) (laughs) This is true. When they try to take him, yeah, yeah at, the, at the hotel party, he really definitely did the whole uh, two middle finger dance. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> it's one of my favorite dances. <laughs> it's like one of those that you, like, you go into, like, a private mode, like, room and are just like, ha 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 he who shall not be named gets dinged in the head. I. It's more like, I can't touch this. Mm-mm-mm. Ooh, yeah, I like that. <laughs> can't touch this. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> Fuck you, Dad. Yeah! <laughs> I like it. From now on, that is now going to be yeah. the whole thing. At this point, Gwen is trying to get in touch with Carrie, and Carrie's trying to get in touch with Gwen, but because of how phones work back in the day, it's not possible, and because he's in the airbase hospital, it's yeah. not a direct line, you know? Yeah, it's a, it's a, like, a basically an encrypted line. What would be an encrypted line today? You can't go... It's more of just, like, a in, you know, like, the in-office phones where you have to, like, yeah. dial 9 to go yeah. out? This is before any of that dial 9. <laughs> yeah. They're both trying to reach each other, and there's this, like, interesting, like, little vignette, like, thing that's going on that didn't work very well with the pan and scan. Yeah! Ah. This is, like, this is one of the moments where I was just like, this is a cool thing that they did with CinemaScope, and you're ruining it! Thanks, Fox. Yeah. You should fix it. Fix it right now. Oh, then Alice has something to do. Alice calls Gwen about the boys. And tells them. So Alice pretty much says, here's what happens in this plot we don't see. Yeah. The boys, you know, are gonna do talks for another tycoon. And they're at another party. So you should go see them, Gwen. They're, they're, 
they're fine, they're out, they're doing something. Yeah. They're gonna be, they're gonna have, like, leave permanently. Yeah. Yes. So then, Gwen goes over there, there's more kisses, because she meets him in the bedroom, and he's like, "Ah, I love you very much, I love you very much. And we have more Cary Grant bed humor. Yes! <laughs> I was like, he's lying down. <laughs> and he's being adorable. Yeah. So Cary Grant is out of combat. I thought the movie was gonna end there. Here. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, put down the pen and paper, kick back. It would have kept going. (laughs) (laughs) There were like 15 more minutes. (laughs) Yes. I was like, what is happening? Why did this not stop? Well, I mean, we paused it. We were like, okay, this is wrapping up like really fast. And I paused it and I'm like, we still have 30 minutes left. And I was like, okay, so what is going to happen? That's what happens when there's no plot. It's just these people running around avoiding their responsibilities. Which is basically what most movies are today. Yes. (laughs) But there's usually, like, a mission to get something or go somewhere. Yes. They had no mission. It was just party, party, party. Possibly get the girl. When you've been on a boat for that long, I can see that. I can understand. So the ex-wife calls, and Gwen makes him take it, and she talks to her for a bit, and be like, yeah, she wants to see me for some reason. I don't know. Which is never addressed ever again. But then Gwen gets mad at him, and she wants to settle down. She wants to get married, and he's like, uh, I'm no good in marriage. Cause, the last one was horrible. Yeah, and she's like, well, you're a jerk, because I just got unengaged to this guy. And he's like, whoa, I didn't ask you to do that. <laughs> yeah, like, she's so in love with him, and he's, like, at that level where he's like, yeah, dude, I like you. <laughs> but... <laughs> I'm not, like, like, like you yet. Yeah, so she throws her nylons at him as a throwback to the beginning. Yeah, this will ha- This is gonna be how you're gonna get your girl. Yeah, well, go get another woman. Yeah. Um, so she, like, kind of storms out, but she doesn't leave. She just storms out to the rest of the party. <laughs> if you're at a party and your guy is just kind of a dick, mm-hmm. there's still another party going on, so, like, why not get a little boozy and let him be a dick? So then the the, ty- the new tycoon comes over, and he's a paper tycoon, and he's telling them all about how paper runs the war, and blah, blah, blah. And then all of a sudden, they're like, I regret this whole agreeing to do this thing. <laughs> yeah. They don't want to... They want the leave, but they don't want it, like, bad enough to, to be pawns in people's games. Yeah. And then they get the horrible news that their ship has sunk from a kamikaze pilot yes crashing into it again things got real yeah they're all like everybody we know is dead (laughs) the end (laughs) no uh it's at this point that they realize that they need to try and get back they need to go back yeah gwen does comfort him when he's like she's like you once told me you know to have a little body heat with you so yeah. just come over here then they hug in a very adorable yeah fashion so then yeah he doesn't want leave and then they go this is where i stop writing things down <laughs> so i was like is it the end yeah and they go they have that little moment of like realization that they they need to go back to the war because they need to avenge their fallen brethren's names and um so they decide to trick the chief with all the paperwork, and they uh, 
Mississippi signs Cruson's paper and Cruson signs Mississippi's paper so that it's signed and official, but it doesn't mean anything to the war office and it doesn't mean anything to the soldiers' orders. So they've completely negated their paperwork that they worked so hard to get <laughs> to get out of the hospital. And then now they're going back to base with mm-hmm. the drunk. It was like, pilot. we were never here. Yeah. <laughs> And then... Oh my god, what happens to them with that drunk guy flying? They die. No, that's terrible! I don't know! That Nothing. guy was too drunk to walk. I don't know how he's gonna fly from San Francisco to Hawaii. It's not really that far. I thought it was like six hours. It's like five. Yeah. Okay, it's like five hours flight. It's not like going from New York to Hawaii. No, but it's from going from Chicago to here. True. Valid point. Okay. <laughs> I have no comeback for that. <laughs> you are right. You win. Well, well, I don't want to win. I just want to be like, how, why, what? All I know is it ends, and Gwen has, a not, like, the, her sixth single tier. Yes. Oh, that girl can produce many a single tier. Yeah. And the American flag is flying behind you her. You know, but he gave her back her nylons and said, hold on to these for me. Babe. Oh, yeah, this is when he says babe, which I found hilarious <laughs> for Cary Grant to say babe. It was adorable, but yeah. hilarious at the same time. So, yeah. he says he's coming. Well, I don't know. Who knows? Who knows what's going to happen to these people in the future? They had a whole pointless two days. <laughs> they had a, no- they had a, a, a plotless, plotless story. <laughs> okay, so when this movie came out, it was panned, like, hugely panned. Well, the people back in the theaters these days had good taste then. (laughs) They, um, Fox did not even make their budget back Mm. on this movie. No! Yeah, their budget was $1,945,000 and they made $1,800,000. So, $100,045. Yeah. They did not even touch their budget. Or they barely touched their budget. Because that's basically, their box office is still being made up today. Because this is including all their U.S. rentals. Ooh. So, in, ni- in uh, 1957, it was probably, they didn't even make a million. Damn. You know, it could have been such a good movie. If the director had been allowed to touch the script, oh man, it would have been so good. Yeah, he really did want to, from... What I've been, like, picking up, he wanted to, he wanted to touch it. The source material is there. Yeah, and I think because he was the director of On the Town and Singing in the Rain, he's already touched on similar themes, like in the film industry with Singing in the Rain, so he would be very good to touch on something like this for the war. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it was quite... See, see all that context? See? Context. We're, we're doing it. Yeah. (laughs) Hey! Um, but yes, so, um, the critics called the film vapid and ill-advised and not to mention no good. Mm. That's the biggest line that they said from the critics. Um. (laughs) It's no good. It's not a good. It's a bad apple. Fox actually took this criticism and appeared to punish cast members, especially Jane Mansfield, whose career was tossed on the back burner by the studio. Um, fortunately for her, Mansfield was resilient, however, and after several more years of starring roles, landed on the top ten list of box office attractions for 1963. You go, girl. 
yeah, so it was really shitty of the studio to kind of go about it the way that they did. Because mm-hmm. instead of punishing or realizing from their mistakes, they chose to punish the cast, which was not their beneficial. Fault. The cast was pretty good. Yeah, it was it was a decent they had some really good kind of actors going on there. Um, but yeah, that's really all the trivia we got. There's not very much on this film. It's gonna seem weird because it was a bad movie, but I wanna give it two and a half stingers. <laughs> oh there you go. Good job. I like it. Is uh, that weird to rate it so high? No, I I it was a bad movie because nothing like the script wasn't very good. But I can't fault the actors. I thought the actors did very well for the material that they had. And I can't fault the directing, and I really can't fault the cinematographer. I thought the cinematography was great. And there were a lot of really interesting things that they did and themes that they had. So I was going to go with three. Mm. I was going to stick with the, the Netflix stock rating of uh, three pantyhose. Woo! Three pairs of pantyhose. Yeah. With some nice line up the back. <laughs> but yeah, I think I think we've really touched on everything that kind of was good about it and also everything that was bad. I mean, there was a lot of bad stuff, but I thought that there was actually a relatively good amount of good stuff that came out of it, too. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, war movies definitely learned yeah, from the mistakes. It was one of the most... One of the more interesting war movies that I've seen. One of the more interesting World War II movies. Yes. Because you don't see that side mm-hmm. at all, which is, I, I want to see more of that. Mm-hmm. Like, I want I want a better version of this. It was much better than White Christmas. Oh my god, it was so much better than White Christmas. Also, there was a Bing Crosby joke. Yes. <laughs> in this movie. So that even, like, yeah, we're going with three. Three pantyhose. Let's go. All right. Next week, we're watching 1957's Pal Joey. Okay. Sounds interesting. Um, I could be wrong, but I think Frank Sinatra's in it. God damn it, Frank. (laughs) Stop being in things. I'm sorry. This is what I said. I was like, when they cleared out all the movies, we got a ton of Frank Sinatra (laughs) movies. Thanks, Frank. So, you can download this episode and listen to our other episodes at thecutaways.com. You can also leave us comments there. Or head on over to iTunes and leave us comments and rate us and subscribe to us if you want us uh, to show up in your phone or device every Wednesday. So, in two weeks from this episode, I'm going to move everything to the SoundCloud. So we can now have Android subscribers. Ooh. So, because I'm doing it over Christmas break, because it'll be the easiest, because I'll have two weeks off, so I can fix any any problems that we have. Um, but yeah, so once that happens, we can download on, you guys can download on SoundCloud, and there'll be Android support, finally. Mm-hmm. We're sorry about, f- for whatever reason, Android just stopped supporting. There was a way to, there were a few apps that actually worked with iTunes, but I think when they started, like, pushing Google Play more mm-hmm. on the Android side, those apps started to not work. Are we going to go so. on... Sorry to interrupt you. Are we yeah. going to go on Stitcher? We are going to use Stitcher. I st- I don't know, like, how to go about it, but I was going to use SoundCloud for our RSS feed instead of using the RSS feed through. And then you could attach that to yes. everywhere else. Yeah. 
Okay, so that makes sense. That'll make it so that it's actually now embeddable. Instead of having to go directly to the site, we can actually now embed it on certain things. Nice. So, and I think with Sound and uh, SoundCloud, we'll be able to actually get a numbers for listens. Yes, yes, we'll get actual statistics. Yay! So, yes. So we're very sorry that that kind of that had to take a back burner to our work life. Yeah, we are surprisingly very busy gals. Yes, especially recently. <laughs> we don't even but know what day it is. <laughs> dedicated to doing this podcast every week. It's just how we know what day it is. Yes. We're like, oh my god, it's Sunday. <laughs> it's podcast. Podcast day. But yeah, so I, I do want to know that we heard you, Android listeners, and we wanted to to help you out and it just took forever um to kind of we I'm not that technologically savvy with like websites and internet stuff and um I had to do a lot of research to kind of actually come to the conclusion on how to fix this issue. You're so sweet. I try really hard. You are the sweetest. (laughs) So yeah so that will resolve that issue. Great. Uh, In the meantime check us out on Facebook and Twitter. Talk to us on Twitter at Cutaways Podcast. We will be there. We will. We promise. See you next week. This is the Cutaways Podcast signing off. Good night and good luck.